your ears are not deceiving you. Yes, it's cheesy, and yes, it's real free professional wrestling, as we give you our takes on AEW Revolution. And once again, I am your American stunning Churchill Cup champion by the closest margin possible. And David the Smart Mart has already laid his protest out. So, David, go ahead. Protest away. No, no, no. I um, I have to say I question my own picking, Sean. And it serves me right. It backfired on me. I was a gentleman. And I was a gentleman of honor, which seems to be quite appropriate these days again. And let you have first pick when maybe I should have been selfish. But I have no issue with that. I had I only had a, a question of um who got who got what because um it had been so long since we've made our picks or it had felt like it had been so long since we've made our picks and I knew that I got one of the hardest ones right and that I'd pick the ladder match winner. But hey, you know, you've gone through it all. I'm not gonna go on. I'm not gonna be Canadian and win you like hell about it. I'm going to, you know, accept the result, and I will win the Churchill comeback of my own volition. Well, let's start with the pre-show, because we literally had 12 matches on this AEW Revolution card, and out of the 12 matches, I want to say 10 delivered, and there was two that kind of went meh. Yeah, out of those 12 matches, I would say I would have had eight on the pay-per-view. Two didn't deliver, I agree with you. Be interesting to see if they're the same ones. I have a feeling they might be. And two of them didn't need to be on there. And it just went on. That would be... um, uh, uh, They've got to be careful going forward. I don't know how you feel about it. But we, we joked about this before we watched it, that it would be five hours plus including the pre-show. And unfortunately, if they're not careful, they're going to take away from the main event, which is something I will go on to. Well, we're starting off with the very first match of the evening. It's Layla Hurst versus Chris Scatletter. And this is one of the two matches where I was like, it didn't deliver. First of all, I feel like this match is totally cast wrong because you have Layla Hurst being the heel, even though you know the backstory of her being adopted. And it was an okay opening match, but it was one that I could have done out with. You could have put it on dark or elevation and just slid on to having Hook open up the show. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I, I, so I didn't even think it was okay. I thought it was a complete load of rubbish. There was botches. There was missed chemistry. It was awful. Fortunately, it was only six and a half minutes, so it didn't. But yeah, no, not very good. It shouldn't be on Dynamite. Those two shouldn't be on Dynamite at the moment, or Rampage, let alone a pay-per-view. So, fortunately, it got better. Okay, so the second match of the pre-show was Hook versus QT Marshall, (coughs) and this literally was what the other match should have been. It got the babyface over, and it was quick, short, and simple to the point. And Hook just basically ragdolled QT Marshall. Yeah, yeah, um, QT got a little bit of offense in, which is to be expected. It was like a version of the Dynamite Rampage matches he's been having, but probably 90 seconds, two minutes longer. But it was the right result, done in the right way. Hook is incredibly over with the crowd. Then we get to what should have been one of the matches on the main show, but they decided to open this up as the main event of the pre-show leading you right into the pay-per-view. It's the uh, House of Black versus Pac, Pentagon, and Eric Redbeard. And Eric if Redbeard, Red- yeah. And if Eric Redbeard is not signed by AEW, they need to sign him because the dude went balls to the wall. He did, and boy, did the crowd want, want him to. The crowd wanted to get behind him. Yeah, I, again, this was a match for me that didn't need to be there. Um, I'm glad it was, 
but it didn't need to be. And it was sort of like gave you a little bit of regret maybe later on. I wouldn't have had this. I'd have kept it for Dynamite and brought the Sting match, the Sting, the, 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 the match before the main event into this slot as my booking placement and my match placement. But the, um, because I enjoyed out of the two trios matches, I enjoyed the latter one more, but I would have really enjoyed it in, in that position. Um, I didn't need to see House of Black, Pentapat um, on the pay-per-view. That's a headlining dynamite match for me. You know, honestly, when I thought about this pre-show before we saw it, I was thinking, you know, the last thing image we're going to see is Hook laying out QT Marshall as they go to the pay-per-view. But they added this match, like, almost like the 12th hour, and it was a fine match. I enjoyed it. I want to see Brody King and Eric Redwood have a single match because these two giant guys can wrestle both like big men and they can also do the Lucia stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, mate. There's nothing, nothing I, you've said there that's wrong. The only thing I would have done, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the match, but I wouldn't have had it on that pay-per-view. I'd have had it on Dynamite and brought the trios match forward into the pre-show. Okay, so we're going to move on to the main card. The thing I can say about the main card is some of the placement of these matches was interesting as you're watching it live or watching it after the fact like me. You're just going, okay, they're opening up with Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. Okay, that's cool. It's a hot match, hot feud. And yep. this match delivered. It may be my favorite match from the card. Um, It wasn't my favorite match of the card, but it way delivered above expectation. Way, way delivered above. And this is one of the matches that has made everyone get so excited about this card because it, it was one that you wouldn't necessarily expect to deliver in the way it did. It was an, like an old-style New Japan pro wrestling match. Absolutely fantastic. Fair play, uh, Eddie Kingston went over. Really pleased about that because I think he needed it. And then Jericho did, wasn't as good as his word, wouldn't shake his hand, which obviously furthers the storyline to move on. Crowd were into both. We've got, obviously, a potential Jericho heel turn. Really good match. Really good opening choice. But it was made by the two guys performing it. You know, I do believe Jericho is going down the hill route. And I was happy they didn't do the normal, I'm going to go shake your hand and I'm going to low blow you. Because I literally thought Jericho was going to low blow Eddie Kingston. That, yeah. But he just turns around, walks away. He still gets all the booze from the crowd for not shaking Eddie yeah. Kingston's hand. So it was a nice little take and changing things up this little bit. Yeah, great point, Sean. Yeah, great point. Um, but they're starting to show that AEW can build longer and longer and longer stuff, which obviously is to come with some of their matches. So, yeah, it gave this feud some longevity. And after Sunday night, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of uh, Eddie and Jericho. Okay, so the second match on the card is going to be Red Dragon versus Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express for the AEW Tag Team Titles. And when I saw this being the second match on the card, I'm like scratching my head going like, okay, this could have been a semi-made event, but... Let's go ahead and see what happens there. And I think me and you both had the same feeling that Jungle Express was going to win just for the fact the other two teams couldn't get along. And that was basically the story of the match. Well, basically, we called it. We called it absolutely how it turned out that Jurassic Express were going to win. Well, we didn't want to call it like that, but I think we, we both called it with our heads rather than our hearts because I wanted Red Dragon to win. You weren't bothered as long as Jurassic Express didn't uh, retain. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case as no titles changed hands this, this evening, which I found a little bit of a surprise 
but I didn't actually realise it at the time. It was only later on. So it shows how good the quality of the card was for probably 90% of it. Um, I know you put your gradings up at the show, and I replied with a B, but that was based around timing lengths and that there was just too many matches. It was what you'd expect from Young Bucks from Red Dragon. I have to say, I'm waiting for Red Dragon to ignite yet. They're not the Ring of Honor Red Dragon I, I can remember and knew, and I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it yet. It will come to me. But at the moment, in a way, I'm actually glad it turned out like it did. Okay, so... I need to apologize to Jurassic Express because I felt like they were the third wheel coming <coughs> into this pay-per-view. And literally in this match, I feel like they got Jurassic Express over and they made Jurassic Express a babyface tag team because they found another gear and they just stood in there with <coughs> Young Bucks and Red Dragon and were able to hold their own. Lucasaurus, I thought was going to be the weak link of this whole operation. I feel like he was kind of like the star of the show. Um, oh, I didn't look at it from that angle. I tended to look at it more from the number of mistakes I expected to be made. And the, and it wasn't too bad at all. Um, and again, I referred to it during Jericho Eddie. It was another match that, uh, yeah, it's going to be there on the car. But it was actually better than personally I anticipated. So therefore, it actually made, overall, the card that bit better. And another reason, every I mean, everyone's gone mad about this card. I thought, I didn't think it was as good as the Chicago crowd card last year where everyone made the debuts. I thought it was damn fine. And there was one outstanding match in it, which obviously we'll come on to, and some very, very good ones. And it's certainly worth watching. But I didn't quite see the enthusiasm some people had for it. Well, the third match of the night, after we had these first two amazing matches, I was thinking, okay, this has to be where they insert the TBS title match, right? No. <laughs> we get the Face of the yeah. Revolution ladder match into your third match. Yeah. And luckily, AEW did what I wanted them to do. They got Keith Lee out of the match where he didn't have to take a loss. Yeah. David, you got this right. You called Warlord to win. And, oh my boy, the spot where he jumps up onto the ladder and does the powerbomb to get to the actual brass ring. That was an amazing spot. Mate, I, I, my predictions were Wardlow. Not just in this match, but during the course of the evening, came true, and you could almost see it coming after Dynamite. And it also is going to, we're going to talk about this obviously later on, um, and it, leading into Wednesday night, it really is going to be a talking point for Wardlow. I like the lad. The lad is extremely, yeah, you're right about Keith Lee. You see, I'm not quite as high on Keith Lee as a lot of other people. So Keith Lee being, there's certainly, if Keith Lee had won this, I would have been hugely disappointed. I'm glad it was Wardlow. I'm glad it worked out like it did. I enjoyed this match way, way more than I anticipated. Really good match. There's some good... Yeah, there's some spots in it, but there's no more no more spots in it than there certainly was in a trios match, which turned out to be on before the main event. Um, and But I really enjoyed this. Right winner. Great spot to win it from. And he's got two of the most ongoing, interesting storylines in the company going into Wednesday night's Dynamite. Exactly. I feel like Warlord is the next big babyface <coughs> that they're going to get behind and build up after Darby Allen and Heyman Adam Page, but we'll get to Heyman Adam Page later on in the show here. So now, we are up to our fourth match of the evening. Yes, it is the TBS Championship match between 
Jay Cardell, and Taikani. And David, for a minute there, I thought you called Anna Jay and went, oh, hey, Sean didn't pick you guys. Make sure you win this match. See, this I didn't like. This didn't need to be on there. This really, really didn't need to be on there. This is Rampage at best. Don't get me wrong. I'm coming round a little bit more to Jay Cargill. Um, as long as she doesn't speak, but it doesn't need to be there. I don't need to see it on my TV. Not at this moment in time. And you look at the overall standard, and then AW chucked that in there. Tony chucks that in there, to be fair, to get some... Because he's, he's, you know, diversity and sexual equality and all, you know, all the good stuff. But at the end of the day... With wrestling, it's not necessarily about that. It's about quality, and this wasn't it. I was just happy it didn't go longer than what it did. It went about six and a half minutes, and they had a pretty interesting finish to the match. And between this match and the Britt Baker versus Rosa match, I felt like this <coughs> one did more to protect the baby face than the other match did. Sean, did you see any other result at any point other than Jay Cargill winning? I mean, I literally picked Jay Cargill was going to beat Ty Connie in the Churchill Cup pick so it went according to plan for me no 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 wrestling head on you know irrelevant of that um logic and wrestling head on did you see any other result other than jade winning no because if you look at it storyline wise they're giving her kind of like the Gobert push so it's still a little too early for her to actually lose to somebody and i'm kind of yeah. afraid of who she's going to lose to because yeah. during the pay-per-view yeah. they kind of showed Paige Van Sand a few times. I'm going like, yeah, yeah. is Paige Van Sand going to be the person that wins the TBS title from Jade? Yeah, very good point. I suppose, at least if she did, she has some legitimacy to beat a woman Cargill's size. I don't know. The problem is one area AW lack. Um, they lack quality women. And, and Saturday night or Sunday night, sorry, showed that up. Yes. I mean, they have depth in every other position, but when it comes to the women's division, you have probably, <coughs> what I want to say, four that they strongly push, maybe five, and the rest of them are kind of interchangeable, and they're all kind of less experienced and moderately green to really green, so it's their weakest division. Well, one thing, as we're going to talk about, they've got a very, very, very good women's trainer in now. I wonder if he'll get utilized in that area okay so the next match up is probably the match that a lot of people were waiting for is cm Punk <coughs> versus mjf and the dollar collar match and the first thing you see is cm punk come out to cult of personality but oh wait a minute no it's mjf just trolling everybody <laughs> and i got a chuckle out of it yeah and instead punk gets his old uh ring of honor gear made up for him and comes out to his old ring of honor tune of afi and um i popped i will be honest i thought it was very clever it was very well done, and it certainly set the tone for the match. Exactly. I mean, I felt like Punk was channeling his ROH version of Punk in this whole match here. And you can see MJ going like, wait a minute, I'm kind of confused. Who's coming out here? Because I've never seen this presentation before. Yeah. And once this match gets started... I mean, there's some spots where MJF did have a chance to shine and gloat. He did grab the mic and told CM Punk, go ahead and quit like you quit on me before. And he actually got Punk go like, eat, beep, MJF. And the fans just started chanting the same thing. Um, one match, they made they made numerous references in the build to this, to the Piper in Portland dog collar match. One thing that it reminded me of, and I'm sure this was Punk's laying out of the match, was the... Uh, very, very early on in Ring of Honor in his career, Punk had a feud with Raven. And Raven, 
didn't even realise that Punk was appreciative of Maven passing a rub experience because they were very, very similar characters. And they had a dog collar match in early Ring of Honor. I can't remember the year, but it reminded me a lot of that um, Sunday night, which I'm guessing is Punk's laying out because he learned from Raven. A really good match. It obviously got a little bit hardcore, a little bit unnecessary. There was some, some spots, some real spots in the half that, you know, that are going to hurt you. You're like, oh, that's going to hurt in the morning. Right result, I think, in this case. And I think that they finally move on now because obviously the ending of the match dictates what we talked about earlier with a certain big man finally coming out and getting his own back for being mistreated. But it did it very cleverly and it did it in such a way that I want to see how this goes on Wednesday night on Dynamite. You know, David, I think you got a fair point here because I think a lot of people were expecting, oh, they're going to hold off until Wednesday night and we're going to see a disgruntled MJF turn to Warlord going like, what, are you, what good are you? <coughs> You're fired. Yeah. But in this case, we see Warlord come out during the match when MJF calls for the ring. And he goes like, I can't find a ring, can't find a ring. And this causes the distraction, causes him to get put up into the go-to-sleep. Then, oh, Wrestley, there's the ring. I got it. Oops. <laughs> Let me just put it right here, and I'm just going to walk away. I quit. And what was the crowd reaction to, like, when he found the ring and put it on the apron? They went nuts, didn't they? They did. I mean, I think it's probably the biggest pop of the night when, they, when he went, oh, hey, I did have the ring. Oops, sorry. It was very well done. Very well done indeed. Um, and as I say, the way they intertwined the storylines from obviously he's, he's won the ladder match. You know, he's confident. He's, he's cocky without being overly cocky enough to make him a heel. The crowd desperately want to get behind him. They have done for weeks. Very well done, Tony. I've criticised your booking in the past. This was spot on. And I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, so one question for you. I know some people have been questioning the use of thumbtacks in this match. Do you have any problem with the thumbtacks being used in this match? No, I expected them to come out about halfway through the match. It was that sort of match. It was going to be brutal. It was going to be bloody. As long as it's not regular occurrence for these two guys, leave it as a one-off, end the feud here in a a violent blow-off and let MJF presumably go on to Wardlow and whoever, and it'll be interesting to see who they have next for Punk. Yeah, I mean, it's after this card comes to an end, you have a question where CM Punk goes next, but we'll get there towards the end of the show. So, up next is the AEW Women's World Title Match with a new AEW World Championship belt for one Dr. Britt Baker DMD. And boy, David, she was about as shiny as that belt was because she was like lacing gold and kind of blinding. <laughs> yeah, she was. Thought this was the poorest of of all their matches. I don't know why. There was nothing specific. Thought it's about time Thunder Rosa won. But I guess that they I just got the gut feeling that they're going towards that. And that she is going to win in the weeks coming up. But probably not on a pay-per-view. Which, okay. I'll see where they go with it. The problem is, yet again, as we mentioned earlier, a lack of good quality ladies. Of which these are two good quality ladies but there isn't many more to back them up. So I can sort of see why they kept the title on Brit, unless they're just going to hot shot it from one to the other. Okay, so my biggest problem with this match was the simple fact that they didn't protect Thunder Rosa as well as the other match protected Taikani as being the face because I would have ended this match with Brit doing the curse stop onto the belt 
That way, you can legitimately have Thunder Rosa have an issue with how this match result came out. Because you saw a visible pin by Thunder Rosa. You saw a visible tap out for Thunder Rosa. Then you get that curse stomp. That would be the perfect way to go to another match where, oh, hey, let's do this inside a cage or something. And I yeah. would have no problems with it. But she goes outside. She takes care of the outside interference. And this match made the ref look like a freaking dumb, dumb idiot. And I was, like, pulling my hair out. Maybe you're preempting the Dynamite main event that they're going to have coming up in the weeks to come. And they're going to have a cage match. Thunder Rosa comes out and says, look, face me one-on-one. Let's do it in a cage. And if I don't win that, I'll stay away from you. And and obviously she does win it. You could have actually preempted it already, mate. Yeah, I was looking forward to this match. I thought coming into this card, this was going to be one of the matches I would enjoy. It's the other match where I go like, I seem better for these two ladies. I know they're good. I like them both. There's just something was off in this match. Yeah, and that happens. And I'm not going to condemn them in this case because on a very, very good guard, that was the problem. They weren't at their best. So therefore, it also highlighted it more. So we'll wait and see where they go. I'll I'll, I'll leave the jury out and leave them a little bit of um, hang time. And they get a pass on that one. Well, I'll give them one bit of credit. They did their best to try to fall up the worst position on the card because they had to go after that dog <coughs> collar match. Any match after that dog collar match was basically the spot of death in the show. No, I think there was one more spot of death, which I think we're going to come on to. Okay, up next, we have probably the most anticipated match on this card. It's John Moxley versus Brian Danielson, and this match lived up to the hype. Oh, boy, did it ever. I loved it. Absolutely, utterly Utterly loved it. My match of the night, without a shadow of a doubt. Fair play to Moxley. He, um, he, he lived with Danielson. Now, whether that's due to Danielson, I don't care. And then, obviously, we got the wedding that, personally, this British wrestling fan could only dream of. Um, I... I couldn't have been... I, if the night had ended there for me, I would have gone... I was just a happy man. An absolutely clinic from Danielson and Moxley. Chucked in William Regal. If they're going to form a faction with Regal as manager, oh, man, just give them all the belts. Give them all the gold. Give them all the money. Absolutely wonderful. Just wonderful. Well, near the end of this match, <coughs> you see Daniel Bryson go into the submission hole. Moxley reverses it into a pin and the referee's out of position because Danielson has his arm raised up when the referee is still counting one, two, three. So I can see where Danielson can go, hey, look, I have an issue. That referee didn't see my arm up. Mosley didn't win that match. Then here comes William Regal out as they're still brawling because these two guys still don't like each other. And William Regal gets in between the two of them and he goes like, I taught both of you better. And he basically slaps John Mosley and headbutts them as you can see Brian Denson is looking like, yeah. He's laughing. Yeah, he's laughing. He's like, yeah, that's my mentor telling you what so. Then Regal turns around and goes like, I taught you better too. And he just smacks the taste out of Denson Bryson's mouth. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It, it was just a fantastic end to a fantastic match. It's no secret that Regal will be on my, my Mount Rushmore of British wrestlers. So happy to see him in AEW, and if he's on an on-screen role, we, we all know he's good on screen. Just so happy, so excited. Thank you, Tony. I just want this to be a tag team with William Wiggle being the manager of this tag team and letting them have the AEW tag team titles. Oh, my. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're moving on to what 
is the semi-main event position, but it's the utter spot of death that we were talking about because who would want to follow that match? But we have the uh, Andrade Hardy Foundation, or whatever you want to call them, versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Sebi Guevara. And this match, I mean, they did some crazy spots, and Sting had the craziest spot of the match where he took a dive off of a entrance ramp and went through like three tables onto Matt Hardy. An earlier spot that kind of got me scratching my head and I was worried about somebody was Sammy Guevara doing a Spanish fly off onto two tables. And the second table broke, but the one where Sammy's head landed basically didn't break. And I thought like he took it head on. Yeah. I mean, they, you said it was a spot of death. So they basically took the challenge up. Um, it started with Derby running, rushing the ring like he normally does. Madness. That would have been a brilliant pre-show match to get the crowd warmed up going into Eddie versus um, Jericho. It's a shame because it did lose and it will lose some things from the Moxley-Danielson match. But it was actually really good. Um, And there were some great spots in there. Yeah, the Sting at 63 going off the balcony entranceway, what have you, was just ridiculous. Um, And it was short because obviously... We still have the main event to come. And I'm sat there thinking, how the hell is Cole Page going to follow any of this up? It's going to be a big anti-climax. And it very nearly was. But as we'll come on to, they got away with it. Okay, so coming to the main event. (coughs) I don't know about you, David, but in my mind, I got, okay, Britt Baker kept her title. Are they really going to change the title and give Adam Cole the title? And we have the pair couple all to go in AEW. That was my yep. thinking as we're going to this match. Yep. Now, this match, I feel like, was a good world title match, and I felt like it did the one thing it needed to do. It needed to boost Heyman Adam Page up a level because he's been yep. really sorely lacking in like, the storylines in AEW for the last three months. Ever since he had the two matches with Daniel Bryanson, he seems to be like the forgotten champion. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Everything that you've just said there is absolutely correct. Um, even the crowd, they started off well. Obviously, Cole's entrance, whether he's heel or face, will always get the crowd engaged. It did, but then they started to take the mick. You know, we had let's go, Adam, Adam sucks. Um, you know, because obviously, but eventually, about halfway through the match, if you listen to the crowd, they got into the match and started chanting properly. But that was just burnout from sheer volume of what they had to go through for the crowd. It was very hard for them to both follow all that have gone through. But they just about pulled it off. And yes, for me, right result. I'm glad Paige kept it because he has been underutilised and I'd like to see him given a bit longer before the title changes hands, which I think is, isn't going to be long before it does. I know, David. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I feel like they had done a disservice with Heyman Adam Page because your world champion should be the main focal point of the show. He should be on there every other week or be mentioning the storyline every other week. And if you didn't watch the two matches with Daniel Bryanson, you'd be like, who's the AEW world champion? Yeah, yeah, yeah because they've got they've got Punk, they've got Danielson, even Adam Cole. You know, there's, there's some big stars now in that company. But, no, again, fair play. They got away with this. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. They got away with it. And the only reason, you know, you use the phrase got away is because there was so much quality on this card, there was so much good wrestling. There was something for everyone. You had your hardcore death match, if you like. You had your New Japan style. 
you had your technical style, and then you had a couple of spot fests. There was something for everyone on that card. Exactly, David. I <laughs> did enjoy the fact that they didn't use outside interference here to get the advantage for, for um, Adam Cole. I mean, Red Dragon did come out, but you saw the Dark Order finally come out to help Hangman. <coughs> I really felt like maybe a couple of Dark Order members who came down with him at the beginning of the card, but okay, that's fine. But overall, I think AEW Revolution delivered a high-quality pay-per-view, and I do agree with your B grade for the show. I went onto Twitter, I put it up on Radio Free PW, and 71% gave it an A rating, which I can agree, it's right there, it's between an A and a B for me. I know you said a B, David. The only, the only reason I gave it a B, there was some matches that didn't need to be there, and it wasn't top-end quality all the way through. 80% of it was, and therefore, obviously, when it's top-end quality all the way through, it will get an A. But at the moment, AEW are delivering time and time again. Okay, so my other Twitter question from this pay-per-view was, should Funerosa have beat Britt Baker <laughs> at this pay-per-view? And 73% agreed with me that, that Britt Baker should have dropped the title to Funerosa at this card because I feel like they have missed the moment and I hope they can pick up the heat for Funerosa when she wins this title down the road. I think wouldn't be at all surprised to see a cage match on Dynamite and the title change there. Well, David, do you have any other thoughts about AEW Revolution before we call the show to a close? No, watch it, guys. There's four or five matches there that are very much worth your time. The Eddie Jericho, Moxley uh, Danielson, the Spotfest um, trios match before the main event. My match of the night was Moxley Danielson, but also Punk um, MJF was very good, and I really, really enjoyed the ladder match as well. So, Revolution, very good. Keep it up. Looking forward to Dynamite Wednesday night. Exactly. We will be back with you this coming Monday for Radio Free Professor <coughs> Wrestling as we review what has happened since AEW Revolution. And, David, I can give you a hint already. There's going to be at least one stunning question about Raw and what the F is going on about Raw. I actually watched um, a lot of Raw last night. And I really, really wish I hadn't. Well, until we see you next week, this is Stunny Sean, your Churchill Cup champion, alongside David <laughs> the Smart Mark, wishing you a stunning rest of your week. Stay stunning. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.